We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and I'm joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners of Rotoviz, co-host of Stealing Bananas and co-host of Rotoviz Overtime. Sean, I mentioned at the end of Tuesday's show, it's a real test to who listened all the way through to find out that top secret information with the contest we're going to be running, but I'm going to start off today's show with it. If you are interested in getting yourself a free $50 credit to Underdog or the FFPC, whichever is your preferred platform, all you have to do is retweet the pin tweet on my Twitter account. I have conveniently linked that in the show notes for today for you. And of course, click that subscribe button over on the Road of His YouTube channel. That will enter you in for a chance to win a $50 credit. So completely free to enter. Absolutely no, uh, no. Uh, I was going to say no risk, no reward, but it's no risk, $50 credit reward. So uh, that sounds better. But Sean, we've been talking recently about Underdog. We've been talking about the FFPC. The new Underdog tools are now up on the site. They are fantastic. And it's just a, a great time to get involved. So anyone that, there's, there's really no excuse to, to not enter that contest. But Sean, you mentioned at the end of the show on Thursday too, the underdog tools, and I'm sure uh, any of the guys that are listening and that are subscribed are checking those out. But it's a, it's a really fun time. I, I love the NFL draft, but this is the time where I really, my juices start flowing, where you know where the players are and you start to you know, digest these draft boards and <laughs> you can draft as much as you want. Uh, so I, I'm really excited now for the coming weeks and months. Yeah, I mean, all you need to do is figure out how to draft the identical team in the FFPC main event and the underdog best ball mania and win $3 million, right? Take the top prize on both. <laughs> I mean, you, you just you got to have the right players and then then you're all set. So we're doing some underdog drafts. You and I will have at least one, if not multiple FFPC main events this fall. We're drafting a lot in the best ball tournament both with each other and with some of the other writers there at Rotoviz. Also, Colin, pretty cool. I believe they have released a Superflex version of that contest. And our best ball FFPC tools handle the Superflex. They've had that in the non-tournament format for a couple of years. You can jump in there and figure out how to play Superflex 
in all of these situations, there are constructions that are not that heavily played that are much more successful than the constructions that tend to be popular. An opportunity there, right? So jump in, use the tools. But the other thing that you can do is listen to our fantastic guests here on Rotoviz Overtime, and rookies are going to come into play in a variety of situations in an important form. So we're excited to have Matthew Friedman back on the show today. We're going to discuss a few more betting opportunities, and we're going to go into overrated, underrated, and then actually work through this tricky part in rookie drafts from the mid-second to the mid-third, find out how Matt would do those. Uh, Colin, we've actually recorded this episode, and it, it, it was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed it. I'm excited for everybody to get a chance to hear what Matt has to say on these guys. Yeah, you teased it there. There's a lot coming up, and you didn't tease the the deep, deep, deep scoot like all the way down <laughs> sleepers that Matt's going to share here with the with everyone listening. And so I'm looking forward to sharing it. So let's get to it. Welcome back to the show again. It is Matthew Freeman, who you can find on Twitter at Matt F the Oracle. Matt is over at Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros as the director of content, and he is one of the Rotoviz OGs. Uh, Matt, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. We're going to have a little bit of fun on today's show. We have a few different topics. There's the, the show on Tuesday probably had more kind of rhythm to it in terms of what we were covering. But Sean and Ben talked about Justin Ross on Stadium Bananas this past week. It got a lot of attention on that conversation. But when we look at Justin Ross now signed with the Kansas City Chiefs after going undrafted, we look at the Clemson wide receivers and um, what they did in 2018. So obviously we're going on a time machine back to 2018, but kind of Justin Ross's last season pre-injury a uh, thousand yards for him that season that offense also had t higgins who had 936 yards with amari rogers who is uh, he, he is technically with the packers we'll see what happens in year two 575 yards and then hunter renfro 544 yards so we had higgins who went in the second round rogers went in the third round renfro went in the fifth round they were all drafted but ross obviously wasn't had the injury issue obviously the, the concerns around that i don't think there's any way he goes undrafted without that i'm going to put a projection on you where do you think he would have went without the injury based on where uh, what we've seen through his college production and then now that he's signed with the chiefs the quote that you had put on twitter was a smart organization is taking a worthwhile risk i guess following up with that will ross make that final roster and then what are your expectations if he does survive those final cutdowns so the the first question where do i Another think he question. would <laughs> where do I think he would have gone? And so let's kind of assume um, assume something close to full health and assume that with that health, he is more dynamic in his pre-draft workouts because his, his pro day wasn't great. And it's hard to know how much of that is because of his physical condition. But let's assume he's a little more athletic. I would say, um, I don't know, third round. It, like that, He feels like a third rounder. If, you know, he's got the college production, maybe still some of the injury history, but he's just healthier now. Um, will he make the team? Man, I, this makes me think of, this is going way back. Um, there was a guy coming out of, it wasn't University of Tennessee. He had played at Tennessee. He left Tennessee and he played at another school in Tennessee, the name of which escapes me. But this guy's name was Derek Rogers. 
And like, this was like, I don't know, 2013, something like that. And, uh, he, he seemed like he was a five-star recruit. He was productive early on in Tennessee and productive again, uh, at the second school he went to tore up the combine, you know, it was like a big guy, uh, super athletic went totally undrafted. And I remember thinking like, okay, this guy has such a high ceiling, even though he went undrafted, all he has to do is make the team. And I was, you know, like routinely beating myself up thinking about, okay, I'm like, I'm now in the third round of this rookie draft. Do I take him or do I take this guy that was drafted in the fourth round? You know, and like my, my perspective now looking back on that is like, it doesn't matter. Like he's an undrafted wide receiver. It doesn't matter. And like, that's kind of the perspective I want to have, uh, like the nihilistic perspective on Justin Ross, like the, like the, uh, the human in me wants to be like, Oh, I love this guy. It would be a fantastic success story. Like his ceiling was incredible when he was a freshman. And like, I acknowledge all of that, but like the, the probabilistic part of me, which is like the part I've tried to cultivate over the past decade, that is just like, doesn't matter. Like he's, he's an undrafted guy. And, you know, like at best, we're talking about a guy who is the wide receiver five uh, entering the season. And man, he's got to beat out. Talk about like the road of his darlings of years past. He's got to beat out Josh Gordon, Justin Watson, Corey Coleman, like Chad Williams. These are like all guys that I still love for, for some reason, you know? And so, uh, no, like Justin Ross, uh, he's, he's not going to be anything. Like he probably won't be anything. He, he might make the team, but even if he does, I don't think he's going to turn into anything. That's, my, that's my, my cold hearted. That's my cold hearted perspective on this. Breaking hearts and, you know, crushing dreams. That's what Matthew Freeman's doing here today. <laughs> I don't know. What do, what do you guys think? Well, my, my follow-up question would be, I mean, he's now in the mid-third. And going really only a handful of spots after Wondell Robinson, who's the number 43 pick, and was a very good player. But there is sort of a tear break after Robinson. Robinson should be going, going higher, but there's a tear break after him. We can understand that. I mean, it's, the, it's sort of the Tyrion Davis-Price range. Another kind of interesting guy there in terms of what the range of outcomes would be. So he's being drafted at the 306, 307 with the probability that he doesn't make the team, right? If you knew he was going to make the team, what, would he be like a second round pick? Like you mentioned, I mean, the the Chiefs have been willing to stash some guys and be patient with some guys. They they've had Josh Gordon on the team for a decent amount of time, even though yeah. I mean he was done a long time ago. They they actually put him out there and run designed plays to get him a touchdown, and it just doesn't work. I mean, there's no reason for Josh Gordon to be to be around. But they also they were very patient with Demarcus Robinson, even though they shouldn't have drafted him where they did, and. He was never any good at all. I mean, he doesn't have any strengths as a wide receiver. So you can kind of see this scenario in which they actually would be patient with him. But as you mentioned, I mean, he would have to jump through. I mean, right now, you don't look at it and say any individual guy is blocking him, but MVS, Juju, Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, I mean, even, even Hardman, I mean, 
like you said, at best a wide receiver five. And yet, if he's healthy, I mean, he could be better than all four of those guys, especially if Juju is done, which unfortunately there, there's a very strong chance of that. And it's interesting when you actually go through the contracts and you see how both the Juju and the MVS contracts are put together, the Chiefs actually don't believe in those guys. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're right. There's not one guy who's blocking Justin Ross. Um, it's more a matter of circumstance. I'd say the, the biggest part of his circumstance being that he's just, he was undrafted, you know, like that has incredibly strong signal. And if he's going in the middle of the third round, like that is, that is unconscionable. Like that probably means he's going, if not ahead of Taekwon Thornton, like kind of maybe in the same vicinity. And I don't have a lot of faith in Taekwon Thornton, but the dude was a second rounder, you know, like that puts him in the vicinity of Calvin Austin, who I think was a really intriguing player. Uh, Romeo dubs with the Packers who was drafted in the fourth round and broke out earlier in college. Like, Oh man, like I just, I, I could not take him ahead of any of those guys. And it does put him ahead of those guys. So, yeah. Okay. So we have, we have that one cleared up to our collective dismay. We move on to something that's more high profile. We look at Kenny Pickett. He is the only quarterback that teams seem to like. It's interesting because the NFL, I mean, the evaluations on these other guys have to be absolutely terrible because otherwise, the sort of risk reward, the ceiling, all of the things that, you would look at in fantasy actually do carry over to reality in an important way. So the Steelers have made this bet on the lowest ceiling of the players. The rest of the NFL is characterizing the other guys as developmental prospects, including the ones who were actually better much earlier in college than Kenny Pickett was, but he's in this fantastic situation now. So Matt, who's going to be the offensive rookie of the year how should we be looking at this from a fantasy and from a betting perspective? Yeah. Kenny Pickett uh, is the the favorite to be the offensive rookie of the year or, or one of the favorites. Um, and I think that is probably warranted. And if we're thinking about the, the fantasy implications of Kenny Pickett and his, his draft, uh, his draft stock, uh, man, you know, in single quarterback leagues in rookie drafts, um, you know, I do think that you can maybe make a case for one of the other guys ahead of him in theory because they have the higher ceilings and, you know, at a position where there's uh, a lot of a lot of options, you probably don't need to reach on someone like Pickett. Um, but in in two quarterback leagues, I still think Pickett belongs in the top half of the first round and like that's kind of disgusting to say because uh there are other there are other players who are much more attractive like all of the wide receivers uh in this class you would think okay they're they're longer term assets you know relative to like a running back at least you know but Brees hall is still going to go near the top of the board uh but man i think Pickett probably i have Pickett ranked at 104 in superflex and i i don't like it but you know like if you need a quarterback and everyone needs quarterbacks in Superflex and you know he's going to be starting if not right away pretty early in his career i think there's a, a real case to be made because of the positional scarcity there um but you know for for rookie of the year looking at that um 
that prop a little bit more. I I hate to be chalky, uh, but you know, Kenny Pickett at six to one, like I have bet it and I I do like it, not because of Pickett's talent, but because of the situation surrounding him, you know, which you mentioned. He's got those wide receivers around him. He's got Pat Fryermuth, he's got Najee Harris, you know, he's got receiving options there. I think he's likely to start in week one. Um, the the contract for Mitch Trubisky is such that the the Steelers are kind of incentivized not to start him. And the fact that they drafted uh, a quarterback in the first round suggests that they're not really comfortable with the idea of starting Trubisky right away, especially because they did mention shortly after drafting Kenny Pickett, we believe that he can start right away. So I think Pickett starts more or less right away. Like I think he should be favored over Trubisky to start in a week one. Uh, and if you look at the guys who have won offensive rookie of the year, you know, ever since this kind of became a pass heavy league. So going back to 2004, when Roethlisberger won offensive rookie of the year, quarterbacks win this award half the time. And it's not, you know, just kind of any quarterback. It's quarterbacks who accumulate a, a high number of starts. So guys who are starting 13, 14, 15 games. Um, if a wide receiver wins this award, it normally has to be a guy who just absolutely balled out. And we could get that in this class, but I think probabilistically it's easier for a quarterback to win this award because he has the ball in his hands and because he's not dependent on like someone else to throw him the ball. Uh, and then you look at Brees Hall and Kenny Walker, both of those guys. Yeah, you could see how they win the award, but you could also pretty easily see how they don't win the award given the teams that they went to and the Jets and the Seahawks. So Pickett, I think, deserves to be the favorite, but I think at six to one, uh, which is where I bet it, <laughs> where I bet it at Caesars, I think he still offers some value there. Yeah, I think as well, you know, with Trubisky coming in from the Bills, I think the likelihood is that if Pickett doesn't start week one, there's a very, very short leash there for Trubisky based on what we've seen him doing in his career so far. But if he does start, how do you think that does? And you mentioned the skill position players he has, but they also have to catch passes from him. How would it affect them for fantasy? Oh, um, it's a good question. I think that for me in, in the projections, uh, when I say projections, like I don't do hardcore projections the way that I did the, the three previous years. So sort of loose projections and then more rankings. What impacted Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool more in the rankings wasn't so much Kenny Pickett, but it was the addition of, uh, of Pickett, uh, sorry, Pickens, uh, George Pickens uh, as a wide receiver drafted in the second round. Um, and so I think the, the ceiling is a little bit lower for Johnson. It is significantly lower, uh, for Chase Claypool. Um, but that said, you know, like, I don't think Pickens is a lock to come in and just like Martavis Bryant, this team, uh, in year one. So I think all of them have lower floors, but it has mainly to do with the wide receivers that they added. I mean, Calvin Austin also added in the fourth round. Uh, and so, you know, he could be someone as a rotational receiver who just still snaps and targets from those guys. Um, so it's not so much that I think 
Pickett is going to drag the offense down, especially relative to what they had last year with Roethlisberger. But um, I think the fact that they added other weapons, other receiving weapons, pulls down the other receivers. And uh, looking back at last season, obviously Ben Roethlisberger was there at quarterback. So <laughs> as bad as he was, I think both of these guys are probably upgrades for this offense in, 20, yeah. in 2022 because that was uh, tough to watch at times. Moving into some overrated and underrated players at the rookies uh, heading into this season, are there any players that you feel the consensus are too high on post-NFL draft? We already talked about Justin Ross, so <laughs> we can leave him off the list for this one. But anyone standing out for you? yeah one guy who does stand out to me is Rashad White and I like I hate to say that because crushing dreams today really he uh he does feel like David Johnson-esque and I really liked David Johnson when he came out um you know Rashad White has an athletic profile. He's got the receiving capabilities drafted in the third round to a a Bruce Arians team. So like I I can see it and like I can also see the path forward of like hey, all it takes is a Leonard Fournette injury and this guy could be the lead back in a Tom Brady offense. Like that is a very attractive story to tell yourself. Um but it's it's hard for me to get on board with him when there are all of these wide receivers who were taken on day one and day two. And I just have to prioritize a number of those guys ahead of Rashad white, which means that I'm basically getting none of him in, in my drafts. And the thing is, even though Rashad white, let's say that he beats out Giovanni Bernard to become the, the main pass catching back. I'm skeptical that actually happens, by the way, but let's say that that actually does happen. He still has to beat out Leonard Fournette or have Fournette suffer an injury. And I, I don't know, like I, I can see the value of like in redraft, maybe looking at that happening, but then Fournette is still on contract for the year after that. And Tom Brady might be gone. So then we're talking about, a third round back in an offense quarterback quarterbacked by who knows. Uh, I just don't want to invest in him at, at his current ADP. So like, I like Rashad white in theory, but I think he's going overdrafted. And then I will just say one more name. <sighs> Brees Hall uh, as the kind of presumptive one Oh one in a lot of leagues. I, I don't want to say he's being overdrafted because I think he probably should be the 101 in a lot of situations. But like I can see, especially because of positional scarcity, I'll say that. But like I can see just in a vacuum why you would want to take Drake London and Traylon Burks and maybe even some of these other wide receivers ahead of him. Like if if you're in a situation where you're set at running back, I would actually take wide receivers ahead of him. That's interesting because, especially in light of this league that I'm in, uh, where Patrick Corrine, another one of our good friends and recent guests, has a bunch of the top picks, and he actually selected Traylon Burks at the 101, traded out of the 102 to get an elite quarterback in a super flex, 
and then selected London as the 103. And that's a very similar approach to what you're suggesting. Yeah. I, I actually, I like that idea a lot. And it, like, it's not to say anything bad about Brees Hall, who I think was a great prospect, but he could have landed in a better spot. And I really liked the landing spots for London and Burks. And I liked them anyway before entering the draft. So I get the positional scarcity pushes running backs up the board. Um, but the wide receivers, they have more draft pedigree and they're longer lived assets. In a vacuum, it makes a lot of sense to go with wide receivers higher. Uh, and that would just kind of, by necessity, push Brees Hall down the board. So who, who are we too low on? And obviously pick from anywhere, but especially if you have somebody in this sort of 110 to 204 range. You mentioned you'd like some receivers there. I mean, that's the range for people who were very excited because either had you know, a first round pick, even though it's late, where they had an early second round pick. And they're like, those early second round picks are often like first round picks. And then the draft happens and the quarterbacks fall and some of the other things that could have happened. There were some positive things moving people up too, but you're now sitting in that 110 to 204 range. Like, do I more or less just have like a late second round pick here? Yeah. So I, I don't hate getting James Cook there if you want to go with a running back because he does have significant upside within that offense. I think he also has a lot of downside too. And, and the market, I think, is kind of vacillated on him. Like shortly after the draft, I think people were really excited or a number of people were really excited about the idea of James Cook as a receiving option in an offense that is one of the past heaviest in the league and as a guy who is invested with second round draft capital. So you know, James Cook, you could see the case for why he would ball out. You can also see the case for why he would uh, basically be like a super version of J.D. McKissick, which isn't all that interesting. Um, but getting him at the one-two turn, I think he's at enough of a, I don't want to say discount, but like there's enough, there's enough of a floor built in at that ADP, I think, to take a risk on. And then at wide receiver, I really like David Bell. Um, especially, I mean, just in that range, like I will be taking as much David Bell as I can. Not over Jahan Dotson because uh, the, of the first round. The next question I was going to ask you, because yesterday Curtis and I did, I mean, we, we went back and forth on it because we're like, Dotson, you know, 16 versus like 99, right? Something in there. And Dotson... Even one decent practice review, and you can flip him for a lot. But so, so you're saying we made the wrong choice because we did go David Bell. I'm, I'm not saying that you made the wrong choice because the thing is, it feels like these guys. I should actually do a study. Someone at Rotoviz should do a study on this. The the first round wide receivers who fall down the board and who buy ADP start to go after guys who were drafted on day two. Like, what is the ultimate outcome for those guys? Because I'll say anecdotally, it feels like those first rounders who fall down the board end up underperforming, uh, just kind of relative to the expectations that you would have of their draft position. And so, like, I can see a world in which David Bell really does outperform Jahan Dotson. Uh, so, like, I'm not going to say you made the wrong mistake. Uh, or you made a mistake. I have them ranked right next to each other. 
you know, so I, I think it really is pretty much a coin flip. I would go with Dotson, but uh, that is more of like probable list in me. Like the person who just wants to get my guy would prefer to have David Bell. Well, you do give us a good opportunity here to do a little bit of a plug because we have some cool research in the road of his rookie guide that discusses sort of this element of just how much early declare and early breakout. And they're separate things, obviously, but how much they overperform draft slot and how much the guys who don't break out early and stay for four years underperform. It's one of the reasons why we did go with Bell in part, obviously, just we liked him better, but the, the draft slot obviously gives you this anchor for fantasy production. Obviously, it's going to signal very strong opportunity. I think the other thing for us there is a little bit related to what you mentioned on Tuesday's show, where you have Deshaun Watson really high. I think that Amari Cooper is done, which, I mean, he's to probably score okay this season just because there's not a lot of competition for targets. But Bell's opportunity it just seems so much better than than Dotson's right off the bat too. So then, you know, once you look at the way, even with the anchor of draft slot and how those other elements of the receiver's resume and profile, you know, how those interact, it's interesting. I mean, this has been a fun rookie draft with those two guys and with the people who were in that kind of early to mid second round range as a result of some of those dynamics. Yeah, I mean, David Bell, he is so intriguing. You know, four-star recruit entering college, produced right away, uh, an early declare. And, and the production, you know, over 100 yards per game for his career, it's very hard for a guy to hit that kind of benchmark uh, if he's played three seasons. <sighs> the opportunity there, you mentioned Amari Cooper. You know, like I like Cooper in theory, um, but I just kind of have to admit that he's probably done. Uh, and then Deshaun Watson there, there's, there's so much opportunity for David Bell. And the one thing that scares me is that I, I kind of want to be cognizant of like the third rounders that I've been excited about in the past. You know, it, it, we mentioned Deami Brown on the previous show, you know, think about how excited we were about him last year. And it's like, oh, he's a third rounder, but he's really got a chance to carve out a role. And then now he's like basically dead. Um, you know, like there is the opportunity uh, for David Bell in this offense this year. But if he doesn't make good on the opportunity, he could be quickly replaced next year. And the, uh, you know, the draft capital at that point with Jahan Dotson uh, versus David Bell it really matters at that point in the future. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You mentioned some players that were higher on, maybe that were lower on, that are intriguing. Is there any players that are, you know, standing out for you as real sleeper options for 2022? Yeah, I mean, I'll go further down the board. Uh, I'll just say, like, it, it tied in uh, Jelani Woods, like, very obvious one, just because of the athletic profile. For But, like, much further down the board. Um, you know, Romeo Dubs mentioned him, uh, fourth rounder from Nevada. Uh, I am very happy to get him in the third round wherever I can. We talked about uh, Tyler Alger on the Tuesday show. He's interesting as a zero RB candidate. I will also add Keontae Ingram as the sixth rounder who went to Arizona. Uh, he is intriguing because it's basically just James Conner and then Ingram as the presumptive backup. And James Conner, as great as he is, you know, he's had issues staying healthy. And, uh, you know, you could see how they want to bring in another back to spell him, change the pace. And Ingram is a guy who I think has some decent receiving capabilities. Khalil Shakur, as the fifth rounder, drafted to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think he could become the slot man sooner rather than later. If it's not in year one with him just outright beating Jamison Crowder for the job, Crowder's on a one-year contract. So you could see how Shakir becomes the slot receiver uh, You know, following that. And then uh, one more name, which is really far down the board, uh, Samari Tori as the seventh rounder who was drafted to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm not going to say he he's giving me like uh, Charles Johnson vibes from way back in the day when he was drafted in the seventh round or uh, Jeff Janice when he was drafted in the seventh round. By the way, like neither one of those guys panned out. So it's, it's, worth, it's worth pointing that out. But Samari Tori uh, graduated from Nebraska or let me rephrase that, entered the NFL from Nebraska where he was there one year, was the number one receiver. But before that, uh, he was in the FCS ranks and he was one of the top receivers there uh, in 2019, uh, missed the 2020 season because of COVID and then transferred to Nebraska. But his 2019 season was just totally dominant at a lower level of college football. Uh, and you know, I doubt he actually will be someone who gets a real opportunity in Green Bay, but there is opportunity there. I think one of these three wide receivers drafted this year, whether it's Christian Watson or, uh, you know, whether it is uh, Dubs or whether it's Torrey, I think one of them will end up actually getting a, a real chance to get targets from Aaron Rodgers at some point. Torrey is a guy who's going totally undrafted, totally overlooked. Uh, he is someone off of waivers that I would be interested in. That's really cool to get the the deep name there and mentioning some of the the favorite seventh rounders from the past. Playing the Packers, I mean, I think if you have that pick at one ten, you're almost required 
to use it on Christian Watson because I mean the what if and it's the 110 I mean you yeah you blow you blow the pick if he if he is nothing and there are so many signs to say that that was a terrible selection by the Green Bay Packers and that he in fact will not be that good but if you get stuck there you do select him but then in the rest of your drafts you select dubs and then you know as you mentioned even deeper candidates i mean if you can if you have the roster spots to to hold them throughout at least the off season but then you know into the year a little bit i mean one of those guys has to pay off right and if you are invested heavily in the less expensive options then you could potentially do it for almost nothing so love that matt take us through kind of mid-second through mid-third here and i'm, I'm going to give you some names from the rotoviz triflex leagues over at the ffpc just i don't know i mean i'm biased because you know we're working with the ffpc on them but also because i've been playing three this week as i do other things and have a lot of picks I don't know. It's been the most fun I've had playing Dynasty, and I've had a blast with some of the Dynasty leagues in the past. It's, it's certainly no criticism of any league that I've played before. But anyway, we have these Rotovis Triflex leagues. They have the Superflex. They have the ability to play a lot of wide receivers. Most of my rosters are absurd at this point because they have like three running backs and you know 14 wide receivers. Obviously, some of those guys are just going to get cut for basically nothing. But ADP here. We have Bell going at about the 206, and I mean, I can kind of verify from the drafts I've been in. We have a lot of these drafts, so this ADP is pretty good, and I'm seeing the same things in my own. Ritter and Corral right there in the middle. Then Trey McBride, who is interesting because probably if you're in a 30 roster spot league, he should be going at about the one-two turn, but if maybe you're more worried about roster spots, then you don't take a risk on letting the tight end develop. He's next. Then three of the next five picks are Zamir White, Tyler Algier, and Brian Robinson. All of those guys, well, I mean, they're all interesting names, but only Algier really seems to have a path to rookie production. And they overlap with some of these wide receivers who were drafted much earlier in Pierce, Mechie, and Robinson. How would you be navigating that? Where would your trade downs be? Where would your targets be? how do you want to put your roster together if you have picks in this range man that's that's a lot to think through one question here where is Tyrion davis price in relation to the guys that you mentioned i'm assuming he's much further down the board he's at the 306 and yeah that one is interesting to me i always like to put out this article before i see like what actually happens with the community and it's not my rankings it's my projection of where I think the players are going to go because even though it's not my rankings and it's not ADP, so you're like, well, what's the point? But I do like to see what I think is going to happen right after the draft and then what does happen. And Tyrion Davis-Price was one of the players that I had projected ahead of those names there at the turn. And I thought it was going to be like the 210. To see him at the 306 is a little bit surprising knowing that San Francisco turns these guys into fantasy relevant players whereas i mean robinson and white are in situations where their team is more or less said our running backs are not going to be good for fantasy regardless of what happens so with with Tyrion davis price uh i think 
it's a situation where because he wasn't really hyped entering the draft and then because the 49ers drafted two running backs last year and one of them broke out and it was the guy who wasn't drafted in the third round that everyone got really hyped on last year the pendulum is swinging back in the other direction where uh it, last year Trey Sermon was overdrafted this year Tyrion Davis Price is going to be underdrafted uh and so he given the discount that we see in the market he is the guy that I would kind of be interested in trading down to try to acquire if I can get other picks uh, along the way. And maybe he's just kind of so far past these guys that he's not really relevant to the conversation of guys that you mentioned. Um, but he is the the running back that I think, you know, relative to, uh, you know, Robinson, relative to uh, Zamir White, uh, he's the one that I look at and kind of want the most given where he is going. Uh, the wide receivers you mentioned, uh, you know, Mechie, Wandale Robinson, Alec Pierce, they they do not interest me so much relative to the wide receivers that went ahead of them, uh, you know, and David Bell, George Pickens. Um, I can see the case for Robinson uh, because of his blend of production, you know, the fact that he was that running back wide receiver hybrid early in college, transferred moved into a, a pure wide receiver role and just totally dominated. Um, I think the draft capital can help allay any concerns that you might have based on his lack of physical excellence. Um, you know, not a big guy, not a fast guy. I think that could be held against him, but the draft capital suggests that they really intend to use him. Um, there's not the clear opportunity for him right away uh with the giants but given that they invested the draft capital in him i think they do intend to use him and you could see how he fits into the slot right away so of those three robinson is the one that i probably want the most but i would still probably rather go with trey mcbride as the tight end uh and just kind of wait knowing that you know zach Ertz is still there but Ertz. You know, before he had the opportunity uh, last year, looked pretty much done. And so it wouldn't be a surprise if Ertz pretty quickly looks like someone they overpaid. And maybe Trey McBride overtakes him, or maybe they use more two tight end sets, especially early in the season without DeAndre Hopkins. So McBride is really intriguing to me. And, and that's just kind of looking at like the short term. Long term, I would really rather have McBride over any of the other players that you mentioned in that tier. So uh, if it's, you know, having to stay where I am, I would go with McBride over the other players you mentioned. If I can trade down, I'm very happy to do that. Hoping that I can get Tyrion Davis price later. I think that that's exactly right. I am wondering on a couple of these wide receivers, how you see them physically. And if it matters to you, at all in terms of sort of a floor and ceiling. And I think Pearson Robinson are the interesting guys. Mechie is just, you know, sort of the guy. <laughs> the situation with there with Pierce and having a lot of physical similarities to Christian Watson and having a full round later and also having an opportunity, but with a far worse sort of quarterback situation 
is there an interest there as sort of a round discount? But then also with Robinson, I mean, if I go back to our, our early days and, you know, you would always try and convince me on the small, fast, wide receivers. And I like the small receivers as long as they are very fast. You said lack of physical excellence for Robinson. He is probably the most electric guy in this entire class with the ball in his hands. So that part of it is exciting. But I mean, I think a guy, I mean, really anybody under 200 pounds, and this may seem harsh, but I think they need to run in the four threes as a wide receiver to be somebody you want. He's much smaller than that and doesn't test in the four threes. I mean, how small is too small? I mean, is he really kind of beyond this break where you're just like, yeah, I mean, he can be a good niche guy for reality, even at the 43rd pick. But for fantasy, I mean, he's just too small. Do you remember, I'm not going to be able to remember his name. It, he was a small school wide receiver drafted by the Giants maybe like eight years ago. And he was drafted in the third round and he did nothing for like four years. And then at the end of his fourth year, he had like uh, maybe a string of like four games where he actually looked like, um, not like Tyree Kill, but where he looked like the guy that like they drafted. And you're thinking like, oh, they might, they might extend him. No one signed him. He just sort of faded away. And he was drafted in the third round uh, out of, I think, Troy, maybe. But uh, anyway, that is who Wandale Robinson reminds me of. The nameless guy I cannot remember. <laughs> Man, I feel like it's it's right on the tip of my tongue here. Like, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, could he, could he be your John Brown? We got the listener, we got the listeners to tweet us uh, if they figure out who we're talking about before we do. Like, I'm going to try to to look through this as we're talking. Uh, no, he cannot be John Brown. I I am adamantly opposed uh, to that idea of him being John Brown um, because Brown was actually like productive for multiple seasons in college. Uh, Jarrell Jernigan. Yes, that that is who Wandale Robinson is. Uh, that's going to be a hard, hard selection there in, in the two three turn if, if that's who he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and coming out of Troy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that really is who I think he is. Uh, you know, given kind of like his profile, um, and maybe it's just a coincidence that he's with the giants, although probably not, it's probably some sort of like bias in my brain in terms of why I think of him. But I mean, Robinson, he doesn't have the physical attributes and I, I do agree with you. Like I tend, if a guy is smaller, um, and especially if he doesn't have like uber elite agility, then I think he needs to be pretty fast. You know, like someone like Wes Welker, he had strong agility. The one thing is that um, the guys who don't, who are smaller, who don't have great speed, uh, they, you can see these guys sometimes be productive if they have like the well-rounded production profile of like, uh, a ton of rushing production to go along with the receiving. And like Welker had that and Wandale Robinson does have that. So maybe there is something there with him, but I'm still going to be skeptical. Awesome. Awesome stuff, Matt. Um, we've covered a lot of ground in those two episodes and uh, it's been a pleasure to have you back on the road of his radio airwaves. Um, I did mention, or you did mention, sorry, on the last show, you do have the dynasty 
uh, draft guide and, and so on with fantasy pros is there anything else you want to let the listeners know about before we wrap up uh yeah i mean i guess i i released a uh, 2023 way too early mock draft uh last week it is still just as irrelevant now as it was last week so it's maybe you could, yeah maybe you could check that out at uh at fantasy pros Thanks again to Matt for jumping on the show. Make sure you are following him on social media. Lots of great content coming out. He did tease the way too early 2023 class, but if you're like me or Sean and you're looking ahead and you're thinking about these you know, dynasty trades and what you can acquire, you need to know what those picks are going to be kind of worth or what's going to be in that range in 12 months from now. So head on over and check that out. But Sean, great stuff there. I did tease it at the start of the show, or I plugged it at the start of the show. The contest, the pinned tweet, is linked to in today's show notes. Make sure you retweet that, and also uh, head on over and subscribe to the Rotoviz YouTube channel. I- I'm happy to say, Sean, it is growing in-, in popularity. We are putting up clips from both this show and Stealing Bananas. We have the flagship show up there streaming sometimes. We will have some live streams during the summer for some of the, the drafts we're doing, so it's, it's fun to see those numbers uh, creeping up. Uh, week on week it's always fun and it, obviously last week was one of the best weeks we ever had for rotoviz radio in terms of download numbers so uh thanks again to all the listeners listening in for that support but sean great stuff from matt lots of stuff covered in those two shows on tuesday and thursday for the rookies uh, really enjoyable stuff yeah it, it's been a lot of fun so cool to get uh, some of our favorite members of the road of his cast on the show and it's been really cool over the last you know really since the beginning but five six seven years to see where some of these folks are and the road of his brand out there doing very very well so that part exciting matt fantastic as expected we've got a lot of info from the show there that you can use in your rookie drafts head on over and sign up for a Rotovis Triflex League and do the startup. One of the cool things about startups, maybe even more than rookie drafts, is that the rookies are in the pool. And so if you don't have the picks in the rookie drafts that you're in from your established leagues and you want to get these rookies, just go do a startup. Go all rookie. In 2023, you're probably going to have lost the original season. Some people don't care for that. But all those players are going to rise in value. Not all of them, but as a group, you're going to have more trade value there than you did before. Even some of the players who perform poorly, like we go through and and I had the opportunity to be on the Goat District podcast this week column, and they were pointing out how you know Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, the prices on those guys are kind of crazy when you think about what their rookie seasons actually were like. Go in, draft the young players, get that early pick in 2023. I mean, you'll have a dynasty on your hands in no time. But we appreciate the FFPC partnering with us on that. We're playing some best ball tournaments over there. Connor and I are drafting in the underdog tournament. You can get the coupon. Connor and I are drafting in the underdog tournament. And you can join us over there by using the coupon code ROTOVIZ. Colin, that's the perfect one, right? Just enter ROTOVIZ into anything when you sign up. See if they'll give you money back. See if it works. Right. In this case, it is going to be a 100% bonus up to $100. That is pretty fun. I don't know. I mean, these last three weeks have been, it's almost been like Christmas every day, 
right? Because we get this draft information. We had the live streams. I appreciate everybody who joined uh, Ben and myself on those. And now it's just wall-to-wall drafts, content, playing with the tools. I don't think I've ever had this much fun in fantasy. And I hope the listeners are enjoying with us as well. Yeah, it's it's always a lot of fun. I think sometimes I wonder what the listeners think because we always seem to think it's the best time of year for, for fantasy, but that's because we, we absolutely love draft and we love the, the 365 approach of it and being able to uh, to dive into it. But yeah, this really is going to be a, a fun couple of months here as we head into the NFL season. Excited for the content we have coming your way. Lots of great content released up on the website this week and you can get access to all of that and all of the tools up there, including the new underdog tools as well with the promo code rotaviz2022 to get a 10 percent discount if you are signing up there sean teased it on the tuesday show but you know signing up for that getting your 100 sign up deposit for underdog and your your season's going to pay for itself pretty quickly for this year but that is going to do it for today's show we will be back on saturday with another podcast keep sending those topic ideas my way you can send them to rotavizradio at gmail.com or to me on twitter at overtime ireland my name is Colin Kelly, and of course, as I mentioned, you can follow me there as well at Overtime Ireland. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back on Saturday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.